in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandDonsitDown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 672 now of the Ron and Don Show, and we are live in the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up in the Ron and Don Show, I want to tell you about my friend George. I just went to his birthday party. He was 80. How about that? And then my son and I just had dinner with him the other day and we were able to sit down and chat and something that my son and I used to do is always go out on George's boat with him. Has a place up in Decatur Island. He's had it for decades. It's where he raises little girls, raising his grandkids, his beautiful wife, all his kids, they go up there. And George had called me a number of years ago, about a maybe a decade and two years ago. I was looking for someone to be a photographer. I talked about it on the radio. He reached out, put me in touch with his daughter, Nicole. She took a picture that I have on my desk to this day. It's my favorite picture of all time of myself and my son. And we're up on Edmonds Beach where ultimately my son would actually get his diving cert a number of years ago. He's a baby in a, like a, I don't know, he's maybe 18 months uh, in this picture. I look 18 years old. That's, that's what a great photographer. Yeah, Nicole. a lot of Photoshop. Anyway. He just sold the boat that we have used to go up to Decatur Island for years. When you hear me talk about Seahawk tickets sitting in Section 110, those, those, those tickets are George's tickets. And over the years, financially, we have split those tickets, and he's been kind enough to share those uh, with me. Anyway, he sold the boat. You're not going to believe what he bought. It wasn't for himself. It was for the city of Edmonds. And I'm going to tell you about it before this broadcast is over. So make sure... You listen to it. Also, we'll tell you about a 93-year-old that didn't start lifting weights till he was 70. They say he has the heart muscle of a 40-year-old. That's pretty good when you're 93. So just goes to show you, it is never too late. In fact, he has some world records. World records and what? We'll tell you about it. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Let's talk football. We'll talk in general terms because I'm amazed on my Facebook page when it comes to Jim Harbaugh as a hard naw. I wrote something on my Facebook page about this. Seattle says no. There, there, there are more women out there that are reacting to the football news right now. And sometimes we try to be careful on this podcast because we have a lot of women that listen to this podcast. And it's like, I, I think women now, there might be more, more women out there listening to football and understanding football uh, than there are men, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Here's the deal, though, about Jim Harbaugh being hired as a Charger coach. If you really like Pete Carroll... Did you know that Pete Carroll was up for that job as well? If they don't choose Jim Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh, let's say, stays at Michigan and they hire Pete Carroll and let's say we hire Jim Harbaugh, the rivalry would continue. What rivalry is that? Well, think about when Jim was at Stanford and Pete was at USC. Jim built a team that's really hard to do because the academic hoop that you have to jump through or the bar is so high to get in there. There's a lot of football players around the country that you can't recruit. 
So with, with a limited recruiting base, he went in there and kicked USC's ha! And this is when nobody could beat USC. When Pete Carroll and that team were winning national championship after national championship. And then think about what happened. He becomes the Niner coach. Pete is here in Seattle. He is building a dynasty. Well, no, he's not because of Bill Belichick with the Patriots and because of him, Jim Harbaugh. In four years, in four years, he takes his team to the NFC championship multiple times and to a Super Bowl once just in four years. Then he goes to Michigan nine years later after losing Ohio State five years in a row. They beat Ohio State. They beat the University of Washington. And then, boom, they end up winning the national championship. He is coming back now. He's going to be the coach for the Chargers. Pete's not going to get that job. I don't see a job for Pete unless he goes back to the college ranks, which wouldn't surprise me. I think he would go back and coach college. So Jim is now a Charger coach. And, Ron, all he does is win, win, win. People think he's peculiar, but I love him since he was a Chicago Bear. I love that he's peculiar, and I think a lot of time, I think he acts peculiar with the media. I think it's with a wink and a nod. I really well, do. he seems to wear people out, uh, and and that's the cost of admission for a guy that, like you said, his resume speaks for itself. But he, he wears, and by, by I mean people, I mean executives. People within the franchise, some players, not all players, but some players, uh, some of the fan base, some of, in college, some of the alum and the, the board members and the people in academia. He just wears people out because he has he's a very much headstrong. He's going to do it the Jim Harbaugh way. And if you don't like it, doesn't matter. Like he, he doesn't have that gear, which is what you need. To be a winning football coach. People, so say that football. Though, people say that, though, and I disagree. He was he was at Michigan for nine years and built that program. And there were a lot of people that were done when, with when, him. When he was working for, for, for the Niners, he was working for a GM that was bonk. And then he was also working for the York family, who it, it was Eddie DeBarlo's sister, and it, actually his sister's husband, because Eddie got kicked out of the National Football League for giving cash to players and also for what he did down in Louisiana. We're saying that's his reputation. That's his reputation. And in Stanford, people loved him. I don't know any name a player that doesn't like Jim Harbaugh. I don't know. I hear this narrative and it's not true. I don't know one player that that, that has played for Jim Harbaugh that doesn't like him. To me, it reminds me of Al Davis. People are like Al Davis. They say all the same things about Al Davis. We work for Al Davis. Name one player that doesn't like Al Davis. I'll Todd name one Christensen. Todd Christensen. Right. But what did Todd do later on in life? He went on Al Davis's deathbed, made up with him, and now watch what Todd Christensen says about him today. And he says, you know what? I'm it was, not about, it was about me. It, was, it wasn't I'm about I'm not saying Al. he's not a good football coach. I'm saying that's his reputation. Whether it's deserved or not, it's that's not the reputation. Deserved. It's not deserved. And so uh, he now transitions uh, to the NFL. I, I agree with you. I believe he will have that franchise going in the right direction very quickly um seattle i'm still unclear of what john schneider is doing like john schneider was given the keys to the kingdom john schneider's not doing anything right it's joe allen that has done this Pete carroll stepped to a podium he had the balls to cry after a firing because that's what it was it is very very difficult to do what he did when you go through the stages of grief you could tell because when he sat up there and 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 he cried he he was grief-stricken then in the following days when he talked about it, he, then he was taking shots at Jody, not at John, and going, hey, you know what? 
these were not football people. And he started to separate himself. These are not football people. You and I both know that John Schneider is in charge now. Uh, Good luck. I don't think we're going to see a Super Bowl for decades. Because at the end of the day, if Geno Smith is your quarterback and you're not going to go recruit a quarterback, it's going to be very, very difficult in a league now that has incredible quarterbacks and coaches that are in their prime now. And I mean, the Rams are on the come again. So what are you going to do about the Rams? What are you going to do about the San Francisco 49ers? And now in the other conference, what are you going to do about the Chargers? What are you going to do about the Broncos? Because you know Sean Payton is going to bring that team. What are you going to do about Baltimore? Yeah, Uh, no, I get it. Most likely uh, Schneider has his sights on someone that's still coaching right now in the final four teams. Is that right? You cannot tamper with someone while they're still playing. And so he, he, but so most likely I think what will happen is as the season, as the, the coach that he wants gets knocked out or maybe wins a Super Bowl, it's most likely a coordinator or someone on, on the staff, then you're going to see that happen. So I, I think that Schneider um, is, is doing that. So that one is, is very interesting. But I, I don't disagree with you. I think that, that we're going to see that um, the Chargers on the rise. It's interesting that they share a stadium with the uh, the Rams, who also have a very young phenom coach. Uh, and so, I don't know. It, it, it's an intriguing story. Um, most people would have thought... Like the traditional thing is, is once you're on top, try to stay on top. He seems to have the habit of, I'm going to get to the top and then move on, yeah. which in, in a way is, is interesting and poetic. So it's not like, true though. He's, he's at Michigan for nine years. He was, he was with the Rams for four years, which I think is a very long time. And he had a great success. Stanford, you don't want to stay there very long because you can't recruit. And he wanted to, to go coach in the national football league, like his brother. So I don't believe, I don't, I don't believe that. Narrative. It was like, like us when we were in radio, people were like, why didn't you stay there longer? You know what you need to do is you need to stay somewhere. I heard Jimmy Kimmel talk about this the other day. He's like, man, I was getting fired every 18 months. And sometimes I had great ratings, but it was because the, the way that the radio was downsizing and buy, and then you had these corporations coming and buying these stations up from the mom and pop and put them on wall street and all that. We went through the same thing that Jimmy Kimmel did. And he said, finally, I got out, man. And I just went to TV. So that's what we should have done. I, I, I can't, imagine that that the Seahawks didn't at least put feelers out there I don't think that John or that Harbaugh wanted to interview here if, if he wanted to interview here he would have interviewed here he I don't in, think so he I, interviewed I, I, in Atlanta he interviewed uh you know on the on the west coast and so like I, I I find it hard if he would have wanted to interview here and thought that there was a winning recipe here he would have interviewed here Believe me, you want leverage, man. If John Schneider would have picked up the phone and said, let's interview, he would have interviewed. So anyway, John Gruden, you sent me this article the other day, 1997. We were with the Raiders when they introduced him as a head coach. He would go on to coach the Raiders for a number of years where you're a sideline reporter. He flew on some of the same planes with him with the Raiders. It's a lot of fun. And then what was really interesting, a number of years later, he would go to Tampa. And then in the Super Bowl, because he knew the Raiders because he built them, he would end up destroying Rich Gannon and the Raiders with Tony Dungy's Buccaneer team. He would win the Super Bowl a number of years later. He would be fired. He goes to the broadcast booth, signs a $100 million deal, and then all of a sudden, boom. Boom. Uh, 
Seemed like the NFL wanted him back. He goes back. He coaches. Some things came out in an email. Seems like it was leaked by the NFL. He is now suing the NFL. And what's really interesting is it seems like the New Orleans Saints would like to hire him as an offensive coordinator. Do you think it, that that's going to happen with a $100 million lawsuit? Oh, that, that lawsuit that has way more than $100 million. That he has, is it? Oh, my God. Way more what than $100 it? million. He, so here's the allegation. The NFL builds in internal arbitration into every player contract and into most pl- coaches' contracts, meaning that the, the final arbiter for the case is Roger Goodell. Yeah. All right? So that's built in. And so what John Gruden did, which is really interesting, is he found a judge in Nevada where he could take a portion of his dispute with the NFL and take it out of the arbitration umbrella. And we didn't explain why there's a dispute. So there's a dispute because John Gruden was fired from, uh, was fired because some emails were leaked between him and members of what were then called the Washington. It's now the Washington football team or the former name for the Washington football team. And, um, and so his allegation is this was an inside job because my emails were the only emails that were leaked. And so he believes he can prove that the NFL leaned on the ownership of the Raiders to fire him and nobody else was exposed. He's back John po- Gruden was not emailing race. himself. No. What he said was despicable and what he said was, was racist and misogynistic. And there was a lot of things he said that were very unsavory. And he's never apologized. He's, he, he has never apologized for it, ever. He's, and never, so, he's but never apologized. He wasn't the only one. So John Gruden's case is, I don't want to be under the NFL arbitration rule. I'm going to sue the NFL um, outside of this arbitration. And, and, and Roger Goodell can't preside over a case where I'm suing Roger Goodell. And so he got a judge to agree with him in Nevada uh, to tease that out and to let that go forward. So he has a pending lawsuit that I think the damages would be way more than like maybe the suit itself could be for his employment contract, but the punitive damages would be hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars more in my, in my opinion. So you would go for a judgment on the case, but then you would ask for punitive damages. And if he wins, not only would he get several hundred million dollars more, he wants to crack this open and reveal the email threads of everybody. So John Gruden is saying, hey, man, in discovery, we're going to learn who's on the other side of all these emails that you leaked where where you just leaked my emails. Let's talk about who these emails were going to and what's being circulated among owners and executives in NFL. And it's one of the reasons why Daniel Snyder had to sell the team and and walk away. Among among some other bad behaviors. But but we've we've never seen those. Meanwhile, John Gruden is undisputably an offensive genius when it comes to football schemes dealing with quarterbacks and so he wants to get back and be a coach that that's what his identity is nfl football coach and so the new orleans saints want to hire him or there are rumors they want to hire him and in a sense part of him wants to get the job part of him wants the nfl to block it because it increases the likelihood that he can prove it in court it's like look i had a team 
that wanted to hire me, Roger Goodell and the NFL machine came in and blocked that hiring. And it's the same for a guy named Todd, Todd Bowles, I believe is the other guy, African-American coach that sued the NFL to say, Hey, uh, you are not, you're, I'm being discriminated against because I'm black. And so both of these guys have been ostracized by the league. And I, I just think I, I disagree with what he said in his emails. I completely agree with how he's been treated by the NFL. But I disagree with the way that he's handled it though. He came out in an interview and said, I'm not that person. I go to church on Sunday. Agreed. You are that person. You did say those things. You did say those things about African-American men that you coached. And I have to say, in watching him coach, he is a great coach. He had a great connection with his players, I thought. And, and, and when, you, when you see those emails and you see the other side of it and what he said about them, early on, he should have come out and fallen on his sword and then we wouldn't be talking about this. Or at least said, you know what, I've done some work around this. There's some things I didn't see. There's some things I said, I, and, and, and I was wrong. We will see you on this. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Don. Now, listen to me. I had a neighbor walk up the street and say to me the other day, hey, we're interested in having you sell our home, but it seems like this is a bad time to sell a home and we need the money from our home to leave Queen Anne, Washington and we're going to Mexico and we're taking our dog that we found in Mexico, Poncho, we're taking him back home and that's where we're going to live from now on. What's crazy is the gentleman that owns that house used to own the house that I'm sitting in. They sold me this house, right? Anyway, I had some good news for them and I had to tell them, hey, is the summer months you want to sell in the fall? The market is actually very good right now for sellers. But your home must be dialed in. And Ron, you must do your work in this marketplace right now. And if you do, sellers, you will be rewarded, right? Yeah, and it all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. No obligation. It's free of charge. It's on Zoom. It's about half an hour. Email me directly, Ron at Ronandon.com or go to the website, Ronandonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. Um, just got done reading a story about a 93-year-old man that didn't start exercising until he was 70, and now he's a world record holder when it comes to rowing. They say that he has a heart, I think, of a 30- or 40-year-old. Think about this. Our friend Gary, 55, who we told you about, had stage 4 prostate cancer. He went to the docs, and they said, hey, you got six to eight months to live. He lived another nine and a half years. The reason he lived nine and a half years is because he was this incredible race across America athlete. He had always watched his diet. He never drank a drop. So he never drank alcohol. He never smoked. And he did that from a, a very young age. So when he found out he had cancer in his 50s, it took him into his 60s because of this life that, that he had always lived. But here's the good news in reading this story, because not everyone's a Race Across America rider, and not everyone lived a good, clean life like Gary has, and sometimes, some of us, we get a late start. This was really cool to read about a seven-year-old, Ron, that said, or a 93-year-old that said, hey, I just started exercising when I was 70, now I'm 93 and a world record holder, and I've had... I've had great results. I think a lot of people, no matter what age, you should be encouraged by that. Yeah, they are trying to tease out how much of this was being a genetic freak, how much of this is what happened. But his grandson was a competitive rower, like we'd have boys in the boat. And so he went to 
an event with his grandson and he was looking at the, the, the training stuff and looking at the skulls and all that. And when one of the coaches says, Hey, you want to jump on there and give it a try? And so he's like, sure, I'll give it a try. <clears throat> so he's around all these competitive rowers and his grandson's there egging him on. He jumps on the machine at 70, does some rowing. And he was like, I, I kind of like this. <laughs> and so he started rowing and it got to the point where he got a rower in his shed out behind his house. And I guess he rose the boy uh, in the boat. The boy in the boat, he rows 40 minutes a day and he has different uh, programs where 50% of the time he's at this intensity level. So he's, he's serious about it. He does light weights, lunges and some, you know, arm raises and what again, he's 93, but he's, he's won the world championship in his age category four times. I'm curious how many competitors there are in the 90 plus uh, world rowing championships doesn't matter uh, it doesn't matter he's but a world, so he's a world he champion. is a world champion That's right in that but so now um the medical community is trying to see is there something we can learn and unlock from his cardiovascular like his peak heart rate is way higher than it should be for his age category his metabolism his body composition his um, muscle fitness the, his muscle to fat ratio are all off the charts for his age category and so they're trying to figure out um is there something that's a weird genetic trait from this guy um, would, cause they're not recommending that other 80 year olds jump on a rower and get their heart rate up to 159. They're saying, don't do that. Like you'll have a heart attack. So they're trying to tease out what can we learn from this one sort of unicorn case that's applicable to everyone, but your underlying message of if you did something for 40 minutes a day at any age, uh, it's going to be beneficial. Yeah. And I don't know that it's unicorn. I don't, I don't agree with that. And, and, I think a lot of the research is already in. About 8% of us have crazy genetics. We just do. Uh, I heard a gentleman the other day on a, on a podcast. He's a 60-year-old male model. And he looks like he's a 30-year-old male model. And, the, and, and he does diet, exercise, and all that. But he goes, you know what? They showed his parents. He goes, I just have two beautiful parents I have great genetics, but then I've taken those genetics. I've lived mostly a Mediterranean diet. A lot of stuff that people were doing in modeling as far as caffeine and cigarettes and, and drugs and all that to stay skinny. I just never did that. I've always been in kind of control of my diet. And so here I am at 60 and, and he does look amazing. He, he, he looks like a unicorn to me when I looked at him like, wow, I wish I could. I, I hope I look, look like that when I'm 60. I, th I think the important thing to know, and this is really true, now with all our screens, uh, I was recently at the airport, and we had an hour and a half to wait for our plane. When I'm there for an hour and a half, my son will sit and watch our bags, and I go on for really long walks at the airport. And then I'll lean up against some walls, I'll do some floor stretches, I do 100 push-ups, I'll do some crunches. Because I know that's going to be good for me when I get on the plane and have a six-hour ride over to Maui. I know that my back will be stretched out, and I know it'll be helpful. And then we'll switch, and then he'll do the same thing. We're the, out of the thousands of people that are in the airport, nobody else is doing that. Everybody else in the airport, what are they doing? Their screen is three inches from their face. Everybody is running around trying to figure out, where do I plug in my laptop? And where do I plug in my mouse? And where do I plug in my phone? And everyone's concerned about their electronics. It's just, 
We just live in a different time. We stay up longer because there's more things to watch on streaming services and cable, right? so, So we don't sleep as much. We're not moving in gardens. We're not mowing our own lawns. If we are, we're on a riding lawnmower or we paid someone to do it. Uh, we're not hunter and gatherers like our ancestors were. That's why intermittent fasting is so amazing. Sometimes they didn't eat. Your body is designed to not eat for two days because you're, you're on the move and you cannot go as fast as that herd. So you have to stalk that herd. And in stalking that herd, sometimes you don't make a kill for two days. Sometimes for three days, your, your body is built for that. It's built to intermittent fasting. So, so with the research now on intermittent fasting, and even if you can't do it every day, and you shouldn't do it every day, it could slow down your metabolism. But picking even two days a week where you do some intermittent fasting, and like in this case, you don't have to go be a rower. You don't have to go run. You just got to do something, man. You got to get a dog and go for a walk up a hill, Right. People that have dogs that walk up hills, typically they live a, not a little bit longer. They live a lot longer, right? Typical men live to be about 76 in this country. When they have a dog and they go dog walking once or twice a day, they live well into their 80s, right? If they're watching their diet, your red meat consumption, more of a Mediterranean diet, you're paying attention to your cholesterol, all those things. But it's not about the things that you're not doing. It's about the things that you are doing. And we have built a culture where we sit. You go into a movie theater, they bring everything to you. You don't even have to go get your popcorn. And they're bringing you popcorn. And they're bringing you burgers. And they're bringing you a Coke. And they're just... I've been in a movie theater for years, and I went to, to, to... to see the Taylor Swift movie the other day. Three and a half hours of people just bringing you stuff. You sit in these big cushy chairs. You're burning no calories. You're, you're not, do- I wish they had a treadmill in there so I could run and, and watch Taylor running around the stage. So I think we, do, we, we, we are in a society now where we don't move. Our bodies are built to move. He unlocked that. And your body, as you get older, is not designed to eat three meals a day and, and eat all the snacks in between. It's just not. It's not designed for that. When you do that, all your body is doing is just burning the calories and the sugar and the carbohydrate that you just put in it. You got to give it a moment, right? And that's what intermittent fasting does. To flush that system and to feed on the fat, to feed on the fat, to feed on the fat. And, and that's a good, healthy way for people to begin to control their weight as they get older. It doesn't mean you have to have a 32 waist but but give your body a chance every once in a while to be hungry and to see what that feels like, right? To see what that feels like. Unless you have an eating disorder or something like that, then that's different. But I really, I, and, and, and I'll end with this. We were on with one of our clients the other day, and I can brag on Her name's Patty. She's 68 years old. And she said, I just came from my spin class. I said, how long you been spinning? She goes, I've been doing it for 12 years. I said, what's your resting heart rate? Uh, she said, I'm not sure. Sure. Uh, I said, well, do you wear a Fitbit? She said, I did. I said, send me the information on your Fitbit. She sent me her Fitbit information. Her resting heart rate is she's 68 years old is down in the sixties, 65 to 67, 65. That's amazing to be 68 and to know what your resting heart rate. 
That's because of all that spinning that she's been doing. That's because of all those mountains she's been climbing. She, she and her husband live a life of movement, and that puts longevity on your side when you move like that. So I just want to encourage everybody out there. You, you probably don't have the genetics, but if you're thinking about longevity and you don't want to be on an oxygen tank... I saw some of my friends, and I'll be really careful here. I saw some of my friends the other day that I went to high school with, and they are on an all-inclusive American vacation down in Mexico. Why even spend the money to go to Mexico when all you really want to do is be in America because you're down there? And, and, and somebody had posted something, and they said, hey, you're not going to believe this. We found a bunch of Americans down here in Cancun. I'm like... Yeah, because that's why people go to Cancun is to be in America. These dudes are standing, and these are some of the guys I played football. They're standing around with their shirts off, and I mean, 80, 90 pounds overweight, still doing shots like high school, drinking big beers. They have built these heart attack bodies, right? And it's and if they have longevity, maybe they'll take that to ninety three. But chances are they won't. And, 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 and you have prepared yourself to leave this planet early. So it doesn't mean you have to do what Patty did and get on a bike for the last one. But just start doing something. And if that means taking care of a dog, if you can't have a dog full time, join a rescue service, have a dog sometimes. That dog's going to make you move, go for a walk. Think about eating differently, a Mediterranean diet, lots of olive oil, avocados, vegetables, meat a couple times a week, no bigger than your fist. Move, and chances are you're going to live a nice long life and not be on an oxygen tank for the last 10 years of your life. See you for a very short segment. I'm just going to read something to you about my friend George on the other side of this. It's Ron here with Mitch Weeks. You hear him on the show from Mitch.loans. And Mitch, you guys have a cool program out right now because interest rates are higher than they've been for quite a while, but you have a, a solution possibly for buyers. We do. Rates are high, but they're expected to go down, and that's why we came up with this program. It's the Rate Replace Program. So you can buy at current rates, and then when rates drop within the next year or so, you actually get to replace that rate, and the fees are on us. So you can refinance that loan into a new loan, and we will cover the lender fees for you. So that's the rate and replace program. Replace that rate. Very cool. So that's a, a really a good incentive for buyers. Uh, you can buy now with the security of knowing that Mitch at Mitch.loans will replace that rate. Check him out right now online at Mitch.loans. That's Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, if you need us, ronanddonsitdown.com, and we can talk about your real estate journey today. Or sometimes maybe we'll just share a meal like I did with my friend George and my son. Uh, our great clients, Mike and Patty, told us about a place called Bucatini's up in Edmonds. Check it out. It's really great. I wrote something for the Nation News. It's a newsletter. If you want to get signed up for the Nation, how do you do it? It's right it? on the website, ronanddonsitdown.com up at the top. You can just sign up. We won't spam you. We don't sell your info. Uh, you just get some stuff from me or Don or both of us. We're selling a house, though. We do tell people about it. We put it in our spotlight. 
we talk about it on our podcast. We sell, uh, we do sell homes that way. And then also Ron and I usually write something. It's not AI. It's actually us. And you could, you could tell cause AI would probably write a lot better. <laughs> anyway, this is called the power of letting go of something you loved so much. Just wow. Our dear friend George just sold his boat, and I can't believe what he did next. When my son was just a baby, I shared on our radio show that I wanted to get pictures of him taken while he was still young. So a man named George reached out to me and introduced me to his daughter. His daughter is named Nicole. In fact, look her up, Nicole Goddard. She is a world-renowned photographer. So she took this picture up in Edmonds, and it's a black-and-white picture of my son. He's 18 months. I'm carrying him, and we're just we're walking along the beach. It sits on my desk, uh, and I look at that picture every day, and I think it's, it's my favorite picture of the two of us. Anyway, though my father, father died years ago, and my son doesn't have a living grandfather, it's funny how life goes, I write. The three of us have become the best of friends over the last 12 years. In fact, George really being like a grandfather to my son and George G, as I call him, or I just call him Gigi, uh, he's become like an uncle to me. Over the years, we've all sat in Section 110 in his seats at the Seahawks game, and he's been kind enough to share those. Uh, we watched the Hawks win a Super Bowl there. Uh, we've also made numerous trips to Decatur Island. If you don't know where Decatur is, you can only get to it by boat. And we would get to it in his boat. Uh, we would go up there fishing. He introduced us to crabbing. I would do the cooking. And we'd always do a lot of laughing at George's place. So there's a picture of us uh, up there fishing. Then there's a picture of the three of us uh, the other night up in Edmonds. We're having dinner, as I said, at Bucatini's. We're telling stories and we're having lots of laughs. Uh, recently, George had reached out to me and told me that it was time to sell his boat. Now, the reasons why he's selling that boat, uh, that's between George and I. But what he did is extraordinary. I think as we all get older, we think about our legacy. When I was lucky enough to attend George's 80th birthday party recently this past year, I heard nothing but gratitude as he grabbed the microphone to thank everyone for coming. But here's something that he didn't share. George had heard that the city of Edmonds needed a canine. If you aren't familiar with police work, canines, they're dogs, this, in this case, a German Shepherd. They go to their very own police academy, which is not cheap, and they're trained in protecting other officers, saving citizens, and they're often used in the community, especially in schools, to build relationships with young people. Around the globe, highly trained canines save the lives of countless citizens, soldiers, and officers every day. In fact, if you ever get a chance to visit the memorial in New York City, they have a whole section on all the canines that came from around the world to search through the rubble. Uh, we see that every time there's a disaster somewhere. Anyway, so you guys, that's where his boat money went. George sold the love of his life besides his amazing wife, Marsha. He called the city of Edmonds. He met with local officials, and he helped them acquire a new German shepherd. We'll just call him K9G right now because he hasn't been named. George actually gets to name the canine. So uh, tonight, that young officer is actually in school being trained to protect and serve the city of Edmonds. And George actually paid for all that training as well. 
And Ron, we paid for a training of dogs before we've raised money through Cairo Radio. Uh, that is not cheap, right? Uh, he told G-Force and me tonight, uh, and I asked him why he did it. He says it's because of all of you. In fact, for years, he said he had heard of you guys respond to calls for help, like when you adopted 526 children after a tsunami in Japan, or the $300,000 that you all gave to help those loggers build the road at Oso after the landslide in order to get their loved ones out of the deadly slide area. The state said it would take 30 days, but I remember Big Mike calling our radio show and saying, hey, you get the fuel, the chainsaws, you get the bar oil, I'll get the maps, the men, and the machines. Big Mike, God rest his soul, recently passed away. And the people of Oso, Arlington, and Darrington, they built that road in 18 hours. When I asked him how he did it, he said, hey, Don, we're loggers. We're neighbors. We take care of each other up here. It's just what we do. I have a few tears in my eyes tonight as I'm writing this, remembering Big Mike and the people of Oso. They taught us all about family. So reflecting on my little family, we may not be traditional. But I wouldn't change it for the world. The universe continues to put humans in our lives like George, who love us, teach us, and inspire us. And it all started with that one little picture his daughter Nicole took on an Edmund Beach years ago. It's the same beach where G recently returned to get his diving certificate and the same beach near where we are sharing a meal tonight. Do you believe in the power of the human spirit? Do you believe in the power of the human connection? I think you know my answer, and I think you know Ron's answer, and I think you know George's answer. Thank you, George. We all can't wait to meet K9G on patrol in the city of Edmonds this summer, all because you had the courage to let go of something that you loved so much. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. You keep your head up and your shoulders back, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Ron and Don Show. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back, and keep blowing that trumpet, and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. (laughs) 